0: this episode safety of people is is always top of mind and
1: the difference between logic and emotion is that logic leads to conclusions whereas emotion leads to action
0: yes yeah, so he organized the evacuation at that point so pretty much unauthorized
1: you know inspiring and chilling at the same time
0: and sad right but still yeah. the central character of a story we need to see how the decisions they make
1: and and people just ignoring like these <laughs>
0: enormous
1: risks because they're unlikely or because they're hard to do anything about. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Mark Schenk, and you'll note that I'm not Sean Callahan. So Sean's having a few days off, so joining me on the podcast this morning with a very topical story is uh, head of our Story Powered Sales Program, Mike Adams. Welcome, day, Mark. There to have you back on the program of course you're no uh, no stranger to the podcast been uh, been on multiple times but before we start just a, a trigger warning the the topic of today's uh, story uh, covers issues relating to 911 and it also mentions death so if you choose to skip this episode then we look forward to seeing you again next week so mike um, before we get started with the story i've been watching some of the recordings of the Story Competition, which you run at the end of the Story Powered Sales Program, I'm just amazed at how good these salespeople are at talking about their their products and services and kind of connecting with their audiences after doing the program, especially compared to what they're like at the start.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, the Story Competition has been a a revelation, I suppose, of uh, virtual training compared to -to face-to-face because when we ran Story powered sales as a face to face event. I would try to cram a little competition at the end of the day. And you know how things are when you're trying to herd a program. You know, we've always put a lot into this course. So it's difficult to get through in one day. And so the time was squeezed down. And we typically put into groups of maybe, you know, if we had a cohort of 16 people in a course, we maybe have four groups of four and one person would tell a story from each group. But it was always rushed at the end of the day. And there wasn't really time to think about what you'd learnt to prepare and create, you know, practice that little competition. So now we do the story competition one to two weeks after the fourth workshop. So we're doing four two-hour workshops with Story Powered Sales. And that's enough time for teams to, to get together virtually, think about the stories they want to tell. Every single person in the team tells a story, as you observed. And we put a little bit of um, extra pressure on by bringing in observers from their senior management to help judge the relevance of those stories in the competition. And the result has been incredible because as you observed, you know people go from you know, learning about storytelling to telling very good stories through that process. And, and one more thing which you maybe didn't observe, which we then uh, extract those stories, we do coach them again, and put them into the into the team story bank. So that's part of the the capture of those stories. So, yeah. So yeah. That they they Overall, can use it by everybody. With yeah. By
1: everybody in the organisation. I guess for me the thing I I love is that you can see the like the lights the light bulb going on uh, the 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 switch being flicked when people go wow this story thing it it, it works. works and I can do it. Yes. I, I kind of love it when they have that moment and and they realise just how effective it is. So anyway, um, I as I say, I've been really enjoying watching those those recordings. So,
0: uh, Mike, you've got the story for this week. So uh, over to you. Yeah, a little introduction to today's story. It's topical time. Obviously, we're at, at the twentieth anniversary of of nine eleven, but there's a story from nine eleven that that I have been telling in business for quite a long time. I spent most of my sales career in resources industry and mining and oil and gas. And safety of people is is always top of mind. And there's a few really difficult things in terms of leadership to lead safety um, that we need to work out how to get around. The first one is we're often trying to prepare for catastrophic, but rather unlikely events, you know, things that almost never will probably will not even happen in the lifetime of the people that you're training them, but you're wanting them to take it seriously. And the second thing is that uh, it's, it's an act of imagination to imagine what, how bad things might be and how they might get out of control. And if you can't put people, you know, if you can't get them to see the situations and how they might be, it do, it's not real, right? So you either need to find ways to actually put people in tough situations. And I, you know, I know companies like construction company that will take new hires up to the top of a construction crane just to get them to feel how unsafe it is to be at heights, for example. Or you need to use stories, right? And so today's story is really an example of giving people an experience in story of what it might be like in a catastrophic situation and how you might behave.
1: Yeah, so I'm reminded of uh, Donald Kahn, who's the Canadian neurologist who wrote the book Within Reason. And uh, he, one of the quotes from that book is, the difference between logic and emotion is that logic leads to conclusions, whereas emotion leads to action. And so, yes, logically, yes, that could be quite bad. People will conclude, but they won't necessarily act on it. So you've got to find the way to, to tap into the emotion so that they can feel it, so that they're likely to act on it. And so, uh, yeah, it's one of those real challenges, as you say, getting people to understand that, yes, this might be a really, really low likelihood of this event happening.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: But the consequences are catastrophic.
0: Exactly. And, yeah, so the story, the story that I tell is the story of Rick Raskola, who was the head of security for Morgan Stanley Bank on September 11th. And Morgan Stanley Bank occupied 22 floors of Tower One, going all the way up to tower to level 72 and rick is an ex-vietnam vet and someone who really believes in preparation from his experience and took the role of head of security very seriously and he he knew that the the twin towers were a possible terrorist terrorist uh, target so rick had, had set in place evacuation training for everyone very unpopular training to go from 72 floors down to the bottom as practice. And it also implemented uh, really rigorous visitor checks. So any visitor coming into Morgan Stanley, you know, they needed to know exactly where they were so that they could evacuate them if if necessary. So at 846 on on September 11th, um, Tower 2 was hit and Rick's security team monitor the, the Port Authority, the New York Port Authority. And a message came over the from the port authority that everyone in tower one should stay at their desks. And Rick's like, no, we're, we're out of here. We're leaving. Right? So he, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he organized the evacuation at that point. So pretty much unauthorized, but he said, no, we're out. So he contacted all these, he had um, wardens for every floor, all of those. And you're, okay, evacuating now. And they were halfway down the tower when their tower got hit and the lights all went out, debris falling down the stairwells, the whole tower shook, and people understandably started to panic. Rick had trained his firewoods for exactly that, and they started singing songs over, the, over loud halers in the stairwells to, to, keep, to keep people to come down and to help them get down the, um, get down the, uh, the thing. So at 9.45, so their, their tower was hit at 9.03. At 9.45, they had all, everyone that they thought was in, the, in the, their floors down at the bottom did a head count realized they were missing about 20 people. And Rick and several fire wardens went back up looking for them. And Rick actually was last seen at at level 10, still on his way up. And uh, he didn't make it, as did those other fire wardens. But uh, 2,687 Morgan Stanley employees and about 250 visitors survived. And, you know, and the point here is that he'd planned, he'd actually planned, that event and knew what to do and he had people around him that knew what to do and it succeeded it was a successful plan in terms of what he was able to achieve
1: wow that's like that's both you know inspiring and chilling at the same time and
0: sad right but still yeah um, yeah so it just shows you that um, whilst we can't predict the future we can predict and be ready for catastrophic things, including pandemics and other things, you know, it's possible yeah, to yeah. be ready for these things. And the consequences are so dire that it's worth putting effort into, into planning for something like that.
1: Okay. So the, the first step is that we will talk about what is it that makes that story work? And, and just For me, one of the straight off the bat, um, it's about life and death and humans are really, really attuned to the topic of life and death. And so any story that's got life and death in it tends to have a strong emotional impact as that story does. And I just want to add that until last week when you told me that story, I hadn't heard that before.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a somewhat well-known story, particularly in the US. Yeah, yeah. The, the moment, the, what what stands out for me in that story is I can imagine myself in the stairwell, going down the stairwell and a plane hitting that thing and, and people panicking. I can really imagine that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it must have been terrifying.
1: Yeah, and so the the, the description they gave of the lights going out, the, the debris falling, the, the building shaking, that really adds to the impact of that because that's yeah. a moment of terror. Yes. Yeah.
0: And what makes it a totally poignant story is that Rick himself didn't didn't make it. And obviously yeah. that's just, you know a very sad part of that story. But that also yeah,
1: he, he was a guy who was, you know, like committed to doing his job. Absolutely.
0: Um, As were so many who died actually that yeah. were doing their job.
1: Yep. Yep. And it would have been just so easy to to like unquestioned if you had decided not to go back up.
0: Yeah. I mean like. To, no to save that many people already is incredible. Yeah. Already, yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, again, that's uh, really poignant.
0: Yeah, I, in terms of sorry, yeah, so th- I think those are the yeah those are clearly elements of the story. We can see we can see the decision making of Rick. You know, the the central character of a story. We need to see how the decisions they make and what they might have done or might not have done stories always have kind of two aspects like that. So he might've just said, all right, the port authority says, stay put, let's stay put. Uh, he might've, like you said, just done the roll call and thought, well, that's close enough. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah but even more broadly he might have taken the job of, of head of security uh, in, an, in seriously in a different way and had lots of plans but not forced people to go through the uh, the drills that's right uh, and and of course that the, the idea of doing the drills is that you get familiar with the thing and you can do it faster safer etc
0: you can do it in the dark for example
1: yeah, yeah. probably doesn't make rick the most popular guy in emergency family
0: no <laughs> No, I read a little bit about him from his army days and he, he was actually decorated a platoon commander and um, um, there's a Mel Gibson movie made uh, based on his character from Vietnam. So he was a very well-known leader, hands-on leader in the military as well uh, and actually well-liked by his, by his soldiers, uh, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So just in terms of using the story, Mark, um, that's one of the stories that I've used ever since I started consulting because my first uh, client was a building services company that sold fire warden training, <laughs> and um, and one of the one of the most difficult things about selling that kind of service is in Australia, uh, fire warden training is not mandatory uh, in any state except Queensland, which surprised me. Um, you know, it's highly recommended. And if there's an accident, an employer could find themselves, you know, in legal trouble, but it's not mandatory. So, you know, why should you pay for that? And, you know, here's a story that can make, you know, can get a client considering the longer term implications. So this story is used every every week at that company since we we trained the people.
1: Yeah, and again, a great example of how, uh, emotion leads to action and exactly. people can picture it. You know, they can picture that event happening. They can imagine it, as you said, and they're much more likely to act. That's right. To, to mitigate it. And so yes. for, that, for that company, I imagine that that helped them sell a lot of firewood and training.
0: Well, exactly. It it just helps their buyers see things from a different perspective. So they're getting this sort of typical objection you know, we don't really have to. We don't see the need, you know. And you go, well, yeah, you could take that. You could take that view, but on September 11th, Rick Roskalla, and then you you're into that story. Yep. And then you say, so you see, there's another way to look at this, right? It's,
1: um, yeah, and uh, in projects, you know, looking at the risk register in projects, and and people just ignoring like these <laughs> enormous risks because they're unlikely or because they're hard to do anything about.
0: That's right. And and also, uh, you know, a risk register is such an unemotional document, isn't it? Mm. You know, like you try to color code yep. them red, orange, <laughs> and green, right? But that doesn't really, yeah. you know, that red is not really a fear, is it? You know, that's, um, yes. yeah. Whereas yeah. the stories, the, people can understand the story. They can imagine themselves there and they can imagine what to do if they were in that situation, because they yeah. can think, they can think like Rick. Okay. So,
1: so, um, in the situation where you're selling fire warden training, that story is incredibly compelling because it helps yeah. people understand why this is important and the difference it can make. And no matter how unlikely the event, you need to be prepared in case right. it does happen because the catastro- the consequences are catastrophic. So um, what are the business applications?
0: Well, you know, um, I think every company should have a concern for its staff. And, and there are times in every company where we need to talk about, you know, what could really go wrong here, particularly, you know, those sort of um, equipment machine situations, you know, that you would most people think office working is a pretty safe mm-hmm. environment, but not always. You know, we still need to get people to think that way. So I would say that whenever you're in a situation where people aren't too sure that this is a good idea that, you know, do we really have to do that? This would be a story that that says, yeah, yeah, we really do. Yeah.
1: Where where people dismiss something as unlikely and therefore,
0: and therefore we don't means-
1: have to worry about it.
0: Yeah. We well, just
1: in fact they, they would never say they don't have to worry about it. But no. they would they would go, yes, 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 that's serious. But mentally they're going, yes, but it's unlikely. And so they'll generally find ways to do the things, to do other things.
0: That's right. They just Rather give it lip service.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, Which is uh, which is unfortunate. So I guess this is a this is a, a great way to get people's attention, and to to stop them. Well, to, to help them uh, realize that no matter how unlikely something is, if the if the consequences are so uh, huge, then you need to do something about it.
0: That's right, and we can even put into this story exactly what to do exactly what to do in this situation so that so that and that also gets triggered with the story right because so now i get into someone into a future situation what am i supposed to do that story comes to mind so rather than the dry risk register mm. and the the bullet point instructions you've now got this is what to do in this situation because yeah. it's now attached to some emotion and easily recalled
1: yeah and i i think it's uh, it's got Application, kind of wider application in terms of just getting people's attention about things that are unlikely. That's
0: right. Um, Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. The number of times early in my career working on projects, and uh, I would generally make the point about uh, about uh, uh, change management being one of the critical factors. You know, everyone's focused on the technology and the processes and the systems. I'm like, yeah, but the change management. Most projects. And the likely thing here is that uh, costs are going to expand. There, yeah. uh, there'll be there'll be scope creep. There'll be budget pressure. And the first thing you'll be tempted to do is to cut the change budget or the communications budget. And we need to be aware that this is, oh, yeah, 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 is generally the response. So I might then use that
0: story and go, hmm. Yeah, that's right.
1: Let me, let me tell you about 9-11 and, uh, and Rick Bastullo.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so that's... Um... Yeah, I think you're right. Any any anytime you've got a rare event, unlikely, but you still need people to to think about it, then yeah, it's a it's a good yeah. story. And 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 Rick Rick deserves that story to be told. I think that's part of his his amazing legacy.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I'm, I'm a bit worried that I'm you know I must have been living under a rock, not having heard that story until last week. Um, yeah, and uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a story that deserves to be told.
0: Yes. Yeah. Exactly.
1: All right. So, so, so the practice is that we give the story a rating. And so, uh, because you told the story, I'll go first. Okay. And I'm going to give this story an eight. It's, mm. it's highly impactful um it has a it know, yeah, as i say it's both uh, chilling and inspiring and uh i can see myself using it it'll be i'll be gladly putting that into my story bank what yeah about you, Mike? i'll
0: give it an eight, eight and a half i think it's a story that really stops people and makes them think that uh yeah, so it's a rare story in that in that respect.
1: Mm. And of course, you know, in your world, uh, in 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 the world world of sales, you would the frequency of use of that story would be much increased because, mm. because it's a fantastic illustration yeah. of, of, of using story in a sales process. Uh, well, and, and you know,
0: it's a classic objection, you know, like we don't yeah. need, don't really need it. That's unlikely. It's it's a it's a common objection for salespeople.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, in your world, 8.5 makes a lot of sense. Mm. All right. Well, thanks very much for joining us on this, uh, this episode of of anecdotally speaking, Mike. And uh, of course, the story is particularly relevant, given that, as you say, the 20th anniversary of of 9-11 was only a few days ago. And so that's why we wanted to get this, this episode out. So thanks for joining us. And Please join us again next week for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Thanks, Mark. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.